0: As we continue this morning, uh, uh, we're going to sing again in just a minute. But before we do, I wanted to invite up uh, a special guest we have with us today. Uh, Randy Jaspers is the uh, regional minister for the North Central Association, correct? Um, which is a part of uh, the denomination we're a part of, the North American Baptist Conference. And I've asked, we've asked Randy to come as part of our... As part of our day, to uh, a couple of things: um, one, to to kind of pray for us and commission us out as a church here uh, again at the end of the service, but also to to uh, share with us uh, some of the things that uh, we are partnered with as as a church in the NCA. So, um, if you would, with a warm round of applause, can we welcome Randy Jasper's here with us this morning?
1: Thanks, Jake. It's better to get applause before you speak than after, especially if you think, "Eh, I'm not sure about that. Um, Ten years ago, uh, I was thinking about what we talk about. Uh, Christy and I live in Jamestown, and I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? We're going to really talk about family, and so I thought a week ago, we were gathered together because uh, Christy's mom passed recently, and so we had a a memorial service, and so I thought I would... Because we talk about family, it may be that you have connections with some of our family. So down the lower right um, is uh, our youngest daughter, Karen. So our kids live all over the place, uh, Grand Forks, Fargo, uh, two of them in Minneapolis, and then the the one with the family in Springdale, Arkansas. But if you're connected at all with um, Crystal Springs Camp, you might have met this young gal. Uh, Her name is, is Karen and uh, she's finishing up her last year in OT up at the other university up the road. Um, We'll just leave it at that, okay? Um, If you were here 10 years ago or even longer, you might know our oldest son, Mark, um, who at that time was working with youth and music and and different kinds of things like that. And he's now in in, uh, public education in in, uh, Roseville, Minnesota. Um, if you were a part of River City at the very beginning, you may know this young lady. Uh, Lisa was a part of that group uh, here at River City and then became a part of the Southwest plant, or unless you've been delivering babies lately at Ascension Hospital, uh, she's a labor and delivery nurse. So, um, and, and if you know these two guys in the, in the, in the back, our, our middle two sons, uh, it would mean that you know them from Jamestown because uh, that's, where they, that's where we lived at the time. Why do I tell you that? Because... Um, we, as, as a, a conference of churches, we share t- together in many different ways in which we interact. Now it's not just knowing each other, but it's sharing together in what God is doing, because he's the one that's already at work and he's inviting us, isn't he, uh, through Christ to participate in the things that he's doing. Let me share with you a few things of what he's been doing lately, and we'll uh, bring up that next slide. These little uh, blue teardrops represent the churches that are a part of both the North Central Association, clear from one in southeast Montana down to the northern, we've got a few along the northern slice of South Dakota, 30 plus uh, in this uh, primarily North Dakota region, North Central, and then the Manitoba Baptist Association of 18 churches, eight of them are in Winnipeg, five within an hour, and then uh, various stages up to five hours Um, Northwest. Uh, We share together in ministry. What are some things that we do? I serve kind of as a pastor to pastors in helping churches toward health. That's a a very broad definition. What does that mean? It might be assisting churches in a uh, search committees in their uh, finding lead pastors. Uh, This summer, uh, the the pastor or the church I served uh, for a number of years um welcome their lead pastor in Jamestown. Uh, in the last month, uh, Little Church in Martin, North Dakota, which is up past Harvey, between, the, between Harvey and Minot, uh, welcome to Pastor. Carrington, north of Jamestown, welcome to Pastor. Aberdeen, welcome to Pastor a couple of weeks ago. Um, church at Beulah, which is like an hour northwest of Bismarck, uh, is candidating a lead pastor this weekend. Another one I've been working with um, in Ashley. They are, that's extreme South Central North Dakota. As a congregation, they're really kind of reformulating their mission. How has that changed as that population has declined to really refocus their mission? Um, uh, So, those are some things. Uh, One of our Bismarck churches, Century Baptist, um, a year and a half ago, I met with their elder board and they were talking to me about different things that were happening. And I said, you know, kind of sounds like you need. You're having a baby. And they said, well, yeah, I guess we are. So December 1st, uh, there's going to be a new church that, that launches in Mandan. But here's the thing, um, is they discovered they were not only expecting a baby, but we think they're expecting twins. So they're going to be fraternal twins, and so they're also looking at a plant in Bismarck. And uh, that's a God thing. Next uh, few slides... Uh, briefly, this is the website uh, for the Northern Plains region, npr, uh, npregion.org. You can find a lot of different information about our different churches, um, uh, including a couple of um, uh, recent articles on some community outreach in really small communities, In uh, one in Moosehorn, Manitoba, little community, another one outside of Winnipeg called Beaux And just some some neat things that God is doing through some of those uh, congregations and leadership. Next one shows, uh, again, it's the two associations. And then the next slide shows our conference, um, which uh, Jake referenced, the North American Baptist Conference. uh, Really four key areas that kind of define who we are as a conference. Uh, Missional ministry, and I so appreciate what you do as River City and uh, been a part of some of this stuff from the very beginning in various ways with with the leadership here uh, when I was pastoring in Jamestown, but missional ministry, um, leadership formation and development, international missions, and um, the fourth one is really developing more intentional ethnic partnerships. What does that look like? If you go to the association website or the region website, in this next week you're going to read of uh, different churches that have been involved in short-term uh, mission works this summer. Everything from ministering to First Nations groups to taking a team to uh, Central American country of Belize to a couple of uh, couple of three, four different congregations partnering to go to Romania um, and uh, also a, a group partnering with some other ones going to Mexico. So just a few things for a taste of what's going on. Uh, that all to, tell, t- or to, to say to us that we share together, and I so appreciate uh, the partnership that we, we have together in the Lord. Uh, I want to share with you a few verses of Scripture that will be, in a sense, a bit of a prelude, but in a different way for, for Pastor uh, Jake's message. And I need my glasses, because when you get my age, you can't see without them. How many many understand that? Okay, that, that, that labels you as far as your age. You know, you can see far away, but not up close. One of the scripture passages that I've always been somewhat puzzled by is a passage in Mark chapter 14. And if you've been around church, you've probably heard this story. Maybe you've puzzled with me about it. This is a couple of days before Jesus is arrested, before he's killed on the cross, crucified, before he's buried, before he rises three days later. But during this time, there's a lot of confusion as to what's happening. Jesus has talked about his impending death. His disciples are really confused about that. The religious and the political leaders are trying to to plot to to this happen. And in the midst of this, there's a meeting, a meal. It says, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. She broke the flask, poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that. For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor almost a year's wages. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. My wife and I have seen this phrase, she's done what she could, and Chrissy said, you know, I think I want that on my tombstone. You know, can't, say the outcome, but she's done what she could. But that's not really what this phrase is talking about. In fact, if you translate it literally, it's what she had, she did. That brings a little different uh, uh, turn or twist on it, doesn't it? She did what she had. She broke all kinds of custom and barriers. She, as it were, invaded a meeting, broke uh, broke this alabaster flask of, of costly ointment. Some, some commentators think that it was probably her dowry. She's willing to give that up for Jesus. She took the treasure that she had considering it no comparison to the treasure that he is. And she would let nothing and no one stand in her way to proclaim that treasure, to proclaim him. River City Church, God has been at work among you. Jake is going to share with us in just a little bit about more of that from, from God's word in Second Corinthians Towards the end, we're going to pray over your leadership. But I want to invite you as well as that woman to remember the treasure that he is and that you let nothing stand in the way of your, as it were, what you have is what you then live out of and what you do in his name. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are our treasure and I thank you for a woman who wouldn't let the the jeering even the criticism of the disciples of those followers of Jesus would not let the the, the criticism of the leaders the the ones who were plotting against him who knew who he was and wouldn't let anything stand in the way of proclaiming that treasure of even offering her treasure to acknowledge that he was the greater treasure. God, open our hearts, continue to, through the words of these songs that we sing, through the words that will be proclaimed, for you, Lord God, you, Lord Jesus, are our treasure. Amen. Father, we confess we
0: far too infrequently sing that and mean it. There are so many other things that, that draw our attention and, and pull our affections. And so we ask this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would believe in fuller measure what we just sang. That we would desire above everything else the glory of your name to be known. And that that would start here first in, in my heart, in our hearts. Encourage us this morning through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. A couple of quick notes. Um, One, I took off the coat because I was sweating. Um, So for those of you who dress up like this for your normal, everyday job, I applaud you. Um, And second, we have uh, seven people who live in our house. So when one tiny person gets a cold, it's inevitable that it will eventually get to you. So if my voice sounds a little scratchy or I give the cough or I sip on the warm coffee beverage this morning, that's why. Because there's been a cough going around our house. And sure enough, I woke up yesterday morning going, <clears throat> <clears throat> so there you go. So if you want a cold, come hang out at my house. Um, glad to pass it around because that's just what happens. Um, Charlie already said it, but I want to say good morning and happy birthday. Happy 10th birthday to River City Church. Um, Maybe you've been with us a while. Uh, There's a lot of faces here who have been with us for for a long time. And there's other faces here who maybe just showed up today or have only been around for a few weeks. Uh, But today marks the the 10th anniversary, if you will, of our first public worship gathering as a church. Technically, it was the 6th of September, uh, but this is the next closest Sunday. So, happy 10th birthday. Um, We do want you to enjoy coffee. We do want you to enjoy... Uh, some donuts. Maybe we should have warned the parents ahead of time that we're going to uh, sugar load your children, but sorry. Um, By all means, take some donuts as you leave. Um, But it's really not about the donuts or the celebration. One of the consistent values and practices for us as a church has been sitting under the word of God. and No matter the celebration today, we want to do that again. Letting God's Spirit, teach us and apply the Word to our hearts, to our circumstances, so that we might gain wisdom and so that we might be transformed. Not just hearing it, but by the Spirit's work, doing something in us and bringing transformation. So this morning, as we reflect on 10 years, we're going to go to God's Word again. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Someone will uh, from our strike team will put one in your hands. Um, otherwise, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 this morning. It should be on the screen as well. So let's read this together. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways, But Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This is the word of the Lord for us. May the Holy Spirit teach us and encourage us through this passage this morning. And we're going to focus on verse 7 primarily today, although I wanted to read the whole uh, the verses leading up for that for some context. The, the big idea this morning is this. God's glory on display in clay pots. That's what I think verse 7 is kind of getting at. So let's look at verse 7 again together. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is the second letter of Paul's to the church we have. And somewhere between the first letter and the second letter, the church is doing some growing up, some maturing. There's still lots of room to grow, but they're actually making progress by God's grace. And here in chapter 4, Paul is reminding them of two things both the message that they're to have and the means by which God makes that message known. The message of the gospel and the means by which God displays and distributes that message. So our first big idea or point that comes out of this is the gospel message is our message. If there's something we can learn here as a local church from what Paul's telling the church in Corinth, it's that the the message of the church is the message of Jesus. And as Christians, we have one message. We're not going to hide it. We're not going to sneak it in. We're not going to start with one thing and then just, just kidding and bait and switch with the gospel on the back end. We offer it openly and plainly and without apology. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is why we gather. Jesus has the power to save, to heal, to bring restoration. And then it's Jesus who we proclaim. And Paul highlights why that's so important. Look at verse 3. If our gospel is veiled, it's veils to those who are perishing. Verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. There's a real, uh, the, the reality of the spiritual battle that, that wages around us every day. Paul's like, this is why this is important. Satan himself, the God of this world, the one who's called the deceiver, the one who, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, that guy has blinded the eyes of those who are lost, so they cannot see the glory of God on display in the gospel of Jesus. And Paul says this is important, which is why he says in verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. See, Paul is really clear on what it is we're promoting. Not Paul. Jesus, not River City, Jesus, not Jake Peterson or Greg or Grant or Jody. No, no, Jesus. See, we'll get there in a moment, but see, God uses means. He uses people. He uses Paul. He uses Greg. He uses Grant. He uses Jody to proclaim his message. But we can't get the means and the message mixed up. And the reason we can't is because no matter our creativity, no matter our giftedness, no matter our strategy or our skill, we do not have the power to bring about the change of heart that's necessary. We do not have the power to open blind eyes. We don't create disciples from from dead people or saints from sinners. God does that. And that's what's at stake. If Satan's goal is to blind and to deceive and to destroy... Offering myself as the solution, as my name as the solution, my skills, my creativity, is worthless. Only God does that. So the message is that Jesus saves. And look at verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I wish we had more time this morning to unpack verse 6. If I can give you a practical takeaway from this morning, it's uh, type out or write out verse 6 on a piece of paper and stick it to your bathroom mirror or on the dashboard of your car or on the, the comp- underneath your computer monitor at work or somewhere where you'll see it every day for the next week and just think about and meditate on verse 6 a little bit. Because what Paul, I think, is saying is that the, the raw power on display, when God spoke into existence the universe to create life from nothing. From a a physics standpoint, the amount of cosmic energy necessary to create everything you see, that power is the same power at work bringing dead people to life. It's the same power at work making the spiritually blind to see, turning sinners into saints. Paul compares the, the power necessary to create the universe With the power that God puts on display when He saves a sinner. So, if you trust Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, it's because the universe creating power of God has blasted through the scales of your eyes, enabling you to see Jesus as beautiful. It's the universe creating power of God that has breathed life into your lungs. God is the one who spoke the universe into existence, and God is the one who speaks eternal life into spiritually dead men and women. So, what we proclaim is not ourselves. The message isn't River City. The message isn't church planting. The message isn't my name or your name or the right combination of ministry opportunities or really good music or or anything else. The gospel's the message. Jesus dying for sinners and rising again to new life is the message. (laughs) It's the message for our salvation. It's the message for our growth. Everything is built upon that foundation. The good news of Jesus is the message. And God uses means. And this is the second part. When I say God uses means, what I mean is that in God's divine wisdom, He has chosen to use flawed people to do marvelous things. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Stop there for a second. First, what is this treasure? Well, it's, it's the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's God's love and justice on display in Jesus. The hope that we have in that what Jesus did on the cross in taking on our sin, Him buried and then Him rising again, conquering death. That's now our hope, that that applies to us, that we are now citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 13 of a man who finds a treasure buried in a field and he quickly covers it up and he goes and he sells all that he has so that he can purchase that field. He knows what's there and it's worth everything. The glory of God on display in Jesus is this priceless treasure. And Paul says in verse 7 that we have this treasure. This gift has been given to us, and we carry it around in clay pots. (laughs) I find this kind of humorous. The modern-day equivalent, our modern-day equivalent of a clay pot, uh, might be be something like a, a plastic bag. Right? They're cheap. They're disposable. If you lose one or it breaks, no big deal. The, the clay pots here are just common things. So let me ask you a question. Where do you keep your most prized possessions? Do you keep them in a used Walmart bag on the kitchen counter? Do they roll around in the backseat of your car? Probably not. The things you prize most, if you're little, you keep it in a piggy bank. If you're a little bit bigger, you probably keep it in a bank bank. Or maybe you have a fireproof safe at your house where you keep all your fancy papers or or precious heirlooms. They keep the crown jewels of England under lock and key, supposedly in the Tower of London. I don't know if that's where they actually keep them, but let's just go with it. The Constitution of the United States, our founding documents are kept under bulletproof glass. And no, we are not going to go steal them. But apparently they do. Why? They're on display, but there's no one touching them. Because it's valuable. It's priceless. And here Paul says, we have this treasure, this incomparable treasure, this all the more beautiful treasure, not under lock and key, in clay pots. Why? Look at the second half of verse 7. He actually tells us why. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Here's why. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Why does God use us? Why does he use simple, fragile, broken vessels? Why would God choose this as the means by which to share his message? Surely he could find something or someone or a group of people more credible, more reliable, more skilled. And yet, God chooses to use us. He chooses to use clay pots on purpose because it's part of the proof that the beauty isn't in the pot, but the treasure that's within the fact that the vessel is common and ordinary proves that the power of the gospel must come from outside. So when we fail, and we will, we acknowledge our failures. In fact, Paul goes too far as to say, "I boast in my weaknesses," because it shows that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And when we succeed, we remember it's not ourselves we proclaim. Look how awesome we are. We don't boast in that. We acknowledge it's God's power and His glory on display in simple jars of clay. Nothing fancy, nothing flashy, but amazingly used by God to do wonderful things. River City Church started meeting for worship together in what was a small jazz club, right off of Second and Broadway, right between Atomic Coffee and Dempsey's Pub. The room still exists. It actually is part of Dempsey's now. If you, there's a little room back there. The mural on the wall um, is still there. And it wasn't long before we outgrew that meeting space and started meeting in this building and we've been here ever since. And in all the ebbs and flows, the, the celebrations and the challenges, we have labored to be about this main thing. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. The 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 word of the gospel of Jesus remains the core of who we are. This is our message too. Jesus came not only so that I do not pay for my own sin, which is a debt I could never pay, but I don't have to fear death because He secured a glorious resurrection for all those who are His. This is just a slice of what we mean when we say gospel. And this message fuels our mission, our purpose. We desire in the power of that gospel, proclaiming that gospel to make disciples of Jesus who were invited to share in that mission, to seek to make more disciples and on and on. Not only recipients of this gospel, but ambassadors as representatives. We are then turned back around and sent out as gospelers, good news tellers. So we share the word of the gospel. We share our very lives in service to others and to our neighbors. And when we do that, when we live in that way, we are demonstrating the power of the gospel at work in us. We're not showing off ourselves. We're demonstrating the power of the gospel. As I stand here on this 10th anniversary, I am incredibly grateful. Incredibly grateful for the kindness of God to use a bunch of cracked Clay pots to accomplish some remarkable things. And I'm incredibly hopeful and I'm excited about what God has in store for us as a church, Lord willing, in the next 10 years. But today has a little bitterness as well. And I think it's fair to say, without exaggeration, that by almost any objective measure, this past year has been one of the hardest seasons for any church. You can fight me on that if you want. I'm willing to bet it's a top three to five hard things churches go through. Brett Moser, the founding pastor of River City Church, my friend, the man who came into my office one day and said, hey, do you want to plant a church with me? I said, yes. Well, I said, I got to pray about it. Yes. My brother in arms who faithfully from this pulpit held the line on gospel centrality. Gospel word fueling gospel mission. He's not here with us today. And there's a sting there. And maybe some of you don't feel that, but I feel it. I'm just being honest about that. Brett and his family have gone through an unimaginable trauma, and the process of care, the process of healing and reconciliation has been difficult and slow because rebuilding takes time. And we know that, but it doesn't necessarily make it any easier. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago what I thought a 10th anniversary might look like, it may have looked a little like today. Lots of faces that I don't know or didn't know 10 years ago, piles of kids who hadn't been born yet, like piles of them. They just keep multiplying. College students checking out the church for a place to connect who are new to town, maybe they're from rural North Dakota and they're coming to the big city or Or they're from Minneapolis and they're like, what is this small town called Fargo that I'm now a part of, right? Loud worship, celebrating Jesus, people building deep relationships with one another in community, good coffee, hallelujah. A group of people worshiping this morning across town who started worshiping with us here. These are things I would have looked forward and said, yeah, God, if you would do that, wow, that would be cool. But I wouldn't have mapped out the path to this day in the way that we've walked. Not like this. I I don't think any of us would. And the reality is, not just the story of of our church, but if God showed any of us, any of you, the path that you must walk, the pitfalls, the failures, the brokenness it would take to get there, If God said, hey, I'm going to give you a glimpse not only of what 10 years could look like, but I'm going to actually show you the path it's going to take you to get there. Most of us would go, pass. I think most of us would just say, is there a different route? And the beauty is, God knows that. He knows what it's going to take to get us to that point wherever that is In His sovereignty, in His loving kindness, God establishes the means by which we will make much of Him on the road to glory that is waiting for us. And I'm thankful that He holds that, and I'm not responsible to hold it. And while we may be pressed down and perplexed, we still have hope, because our hope is not in circumstances or skills or strategy, but in Jesus who has proved his love for us, and we are hidden in him, his spirit lives within us. Brett faithfully served as lead pastor here for nine years. And we would be remiss if we did not honor the work of God in and through him. As he, along with our first team of leaders, launched out to start this new church, counseling and caring for people, hearing their stories, investing in their lives, unafraid to bring the gospel to bear in those conversations. And for nine years, he faithfully preached the gospel as the power to save and sanctify. God uses clay pots. And we can't look forward with clarity without acknowledging the path we've walked to get here. Acknowledging in the joy and in the sorrow, look what God has done. Look how faithful God has been. So we can honor the past And the road we've walked thus far. And we can get excited about the future ministry ahead of us. And we can get to work after it. Because we recognize that you and me, we're all clay pots. And I am grateful that God uses clay pots. And my prayer for myself, my prayer for our leaders, my prayer for us as a church today, as we look, Lord willing, to the next ten years is that we would continue to fight for and hold the line for the centrality of the gospel of Jesus as our message and that God would be glorified in all things. At any expense, that that would be the message we proclaim and that God would receive the glory, no matter what it takes. And that 10 years from now, we'd be able to look back at at 10 years that come and go, wow, God, you have done More. You've been more faithful. You've done immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. Look what God has done. May we be faithful to the message of the gospel. May God's Spirit continue to work among us, to equip us, to send us out and use us on mission as proof that the power belongs to Him and not to us. May He continue to find us useful and faithful. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, it's good for us to recognize and remember that the surpassing power belongs to you and not to us. That the the faithfulness that we see, the, the things that we celebrate, all of this rolls up in praise to you, in gratitude to you for how faithful and good you have been. So we ask you would continue this morning to stir our hearts in gratitude and praise. That as we come to the communion table, we don't come lighthearted, we come humbly acknowledging it is your work within us to, to sanctify us, to call us to conviction and confession, and fill us with gratitude as we look afresh at Jesus who loved us, who died for us, and who rose again that we might have life. Encourage our hearts this morning as we celebrate. Would we, as we started, above all else, adore your name. Continue to do your work in tuning our hearts to give you the praise and the worship and the honor that you alone deserve. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We want to invite you to the communion table. Now, as 1 John says, we can confess our sins because God is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That the blood of Christ washes us clean and gives us renewed fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. So we invite believers in Jesus this morning to confess your sins freely as the Holy Spirit brings them to your attention walking in gratitude that they are covered by the blood of Christ. Taking a piece of bread, representing Christ's body, dipping it in the cup, representing His shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We proclaim what Christ has done for us when we do that. It's a place to give if River City is your home. It's the baskets are for if you've come prepared to do that. And parents, you can bring your kids back in from River City Kids during this time as well as we continue to worship, as we continue to give God the praise He deserves. So Kyle and the team are going to lead us in song and uh, we'll continue. So the, the table is set. You can come when you're ready and we'll continue our time of worship this morning.